0: It's not that bad. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes, and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music.
1: Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. Today we're featuring session and touring drummer Victor Indrizzo. He has played for an amazing list of stars, including grunge icon Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots, Chris Cornell, another grunge icon, and Queens of the Stone Age, Beck, Macy Gray, Daniel Lanois, famed producer, Lizzo, Willie Nelson, Avril Lavigne, Gwen Stefani, Gnarles Barkley, The Vines, Kobe Calais, Brandon. Flowers, Daniel Powder, Tegan and Sarah, Cheryl Crow, and he is currently a member of the band for Alanis Morissette. In addition, he has played on film scores such as Get Him to the Greek, Horrible Bosses, Crazy Stupid Love, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Get Well Soon, Spider-Man, Charlie's Angels, Super Bad, The Matrix Reloaded, and the lists just keep going. Check it out right here on the Career Musician Podcast.
2: Hey. There we go here we go how are you doing man
1: good how are you
2: hanging in there <laughs>
1: yeah i know right
2: <laughs> hanging in there
1: <laughs> man well i love the peek into your studio that looks cool
2: yeah it's uh it's a, it's not the best view but here's let me see i don't know if you can see but i got all my oh yeah crap all around yeah
1: love that love uh, that well, first of all, thank you for agreeing to do this, man. I've become, you know, since we met a couple of years ago in the studio, I've become a huge fan of yours. So,
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: man. yeah, that was a really fun session.
1: That was a beautiful session. Yeah. So our, our mutual friend,
2: Tommy Sims the most one of the most amazing musicians to ever walk the face of this planet
1: i mean you could say that a million times and it would still
2: yeah yeah. and such a beautiful person
1: well i'm so glad tommy called us that day
2: that was great like uh doing that tour with him i got to tour with him with cheryl crowe and that like playing with that motherfucker every night was like i was dying it was so fucking good. Like, he would play something different and crazy. and yeah. just like, So
1: yeah. touring with Tommy on the Sheryl Crow, what, what year was that, circa?
2: I think 2010 and 2011. Yeah, it was just, holy shit. I don't know, like mind blowing, and uh, and one of those things. It's funny, I, I revered him so much that I was always nervous to play with him, or always wanted to make him smile. And every now and then, I knew when he'd turn over and look at me and give me that smile, I'd just be like, "Oh man, <laughs> life felt good."
1: <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. I like I said, I was in Nashville for eight years, and when he first called me for a session, the same thing. Like I got nervous, you know. Yeah. And then when I finally went to his place and he had this big, beautiful house out in the country that was converted into a studio, so I was like, Oh, okay. It's just a hang, you yeah. know? So then I became more comfortable actually, which was good, man. Well, I- I'm just going to start right out. Victor hey. and Drizzle, welcome to the career musician podcast, man.
2: Uh, very happy to be here.
1: Very yeah, happy. dude. Okay. So I have lots of things to ask you. Very exciting. Uh, cause you've had an illustrious career with some beautiful credits and, uh, First, I want to start off. What was the moment that the music bug bit you? How did it happen?
2: Well, it's really as far back as I can remember. I mean, literally, my mom said she got me a drum when I was a year old. And I I don't know. I was a weird kid. I was always obsessed with music. And I think maybe some of that had to do with my childhood. It was was definitely in the more traumatic uh, kind of area. There was a lot of... uh, abuse and alcoholism and drug addiction and all that kind of stuff and so music was this amazing escape where i could just live in this whole other world right uh, right and, and it's still like that for me like it is still my drug it's like uh yeah i'm always still in love with music
1: isn't that the truth man and like yeah. for for so many of us uh the therapeutic side of it right The the cathartic aspect of music is where it's at you know yeah so couldn't agree more
2: yeah and I, I had it's funny because i had a moment where i was working a lot uh and i stopped listening to music on my own time because i think i was working so much and i was going through a, a bad divorce it was like at the end of my marriage and then as soon as we split up and I got my own place. I started listening to music again and almost like having this second rediscovery of everything and like how beautiful it is that music can express these emotions that like I couldn't put into words, you know?
1: Wow. So true. So true. And it sounds like you're sitting at the kit right now during the interview, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that, bro. That's killer. I heard the little slush of the hi-hats. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Always here.
1: And it's amazing. Um, okay. So... Let's see. I was just on your Facebook page, and I think it was November 12th that you did something, yeah, with uh, Joe Walsh, Drew Hester, Josh Freeze, uh, a couple other people. And you were talking about the, um, you know, the side of music that oftentimes gets uh, ignored, you know, the emotional stress of it all. And especially during these pandemic times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, like I said, we missed that mark, but tell us about that and and your experience with, you know, those kind of uh, trials and, and maybe some positive advice that you can throw out there to all the, you know, career musicians.
2: Yeah. For me, you know, like I said, like music had started out as an escape and as I got older, uh, I found drugs, you know, it first started off just smoking pot or whatever, uh, And then slowly graduated into harder stuff. In the 90s, I was hanging out with Scott Weiland. And and in the 90s in LA, there were a lot of drugs going around. And I'd never set out, like, music always meant so much to me that I didn't want to go down that path of being a drug guy. Uh, But somehow, you know, I wound up going through a divorce and, uh, and life and not knowing how to cope and I was around drugs and then I started doing drugs. And at first it started out like, Oh, I'm not going to be as bad as these guys. And then the next thing, you know, you're as bad as these guys, you're (sighs) one of those guys. And luckily for me, like, uh, I got clean at 30 and, uh, and it really changed my life in a lot of amazing ways. Uh, you know, the obvious things that I was able to show up and do the things I was supposed to do. Even though for me, the hard part was I was a very high-functioning addict. Like, uh, because in the 90s in LA, so many guys were doing drugs, I was getting called to like replace guys on records or show, oh, this guy didn't even show up. And like, you know, little did they know I was loaded too, but I could show up and do do my job. But I was dying on the inside. I just felt miserable. And it wasn't like a to party it was like masking a lot of pain uh and for me the most beautiful thing about getting clean is that i got back in touch with that feeling of what it was like when you're like a kid and you just experience music there's nothing in between me and that experience and that feeling and so that's like the highest highs and the lowest lows and that's like for me was i was able to just give more of myself and hopefully that came through in in playing Right.
1: That's amazing. I I love that moment in time when we're not practicing our instrument, uh, we're not rehearsing, but we're just playing for ourselves. And I think that sounds like what you're talking about when you when you have that connection, that vertical connection with the muse. Right. Yeah. And it's just you're in your zone.
2: Yeah. And I think even now, like still like getting in touch with that thing. The most beautiful thing about music to me is it's one of the few times I can truly be in the moment. And when I'm there, it doesn't happen all the time, but when I'm there and I'm in the moment and I'm just playing and reacting and feeling, that's the most beautiful thing, right? That's to me the highest high. That's true. Really, when you're doing your job, that's what you're delivering is like you're expressing an emotion. That's right. right. Not I'm going to think about what I'm going to play, I've got to think about this, but I'm just merely reacting to what's being fed to me and I'm feeding it back.
1: And that is why we spend so much time practicing so that we can be then freed up when we're in the actual position to play. Right. Yeah. So it's just second nature. It becomes fluid. Yeah.
2: Hopefully yeah. That's,
1: that. yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> idea. Well, with you, my friend, it's certainly the, the case. Um, okay. So again, let's go back to your credits because you know you mentioned Scott Whelan, uh, Chris Cornell, Queens of the Stone Age, I mean, the list goes on. Nilly Wilson, Depeche Mode, you know, Kobe Calais, which we have in common. I've, did a, I've done a couple sessions for her. Um, you just have so many, and and including films and TV shows. Um, but it's like a young, aspiring career musician looking at somebody such as yourself with this long list of credits. You know, how do they not get discouraged, especially in this day and age? How does somebody see that and say, ooh, well, Victor did it. Maybe there's a chance for me. And what are some of the principles and methods that they can adhere to, perhaps? You know? Yeah,
2: yeah it's a funny thing because there's no one route to this. It's like uh, you right. know, guys <laughs> write me all the time. It's like, hey, how do you get to do this? And it's like, I'm not sure to tell you the truth. <laughs> what, what I know, what I did was, is I played with everybody that I could possibly play with. I listened to as many different kinds of music as I could listen to. And I always said yes, right? I always, and I still do that. I, uh, nine times out of 10, I'm going to say yes, because wow. you don't know what that door unlocks. And there were a million times I did something super crappy that I would never want to do again. But you meet uh, an engineer, a producer, a guitar player, somebody else on that session that goes, oh man, I really liked what this guy did. So then you get hired and you never know what door unlocks the next one. That's and right. for me... I loved music so much that I made that decision early on that I was going to say yes and, and just be open to whatever came. And, and it was really slow. Like, you know, now I can look yeah. back and it looks like this long list of credits and I, I've gotten somewhere. But at the time, it always felt so slow and so like, man, it couldn't come <laughs> fast enough. And how do I get there? But the thing was, too, is... Oh, there were, There's so many times that I think one of the most important things to being a musician, if you really want to do this for your living, is the ability to pivot and mm-hmm. the ability that when one door closes, that that's not the end all be all for you, that you're like, okay, this is done. Now, where do I go? What's the next thing? And even when there's nothing to do, then work on something that will get you to the next level. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And and I just feel like, so it's funny because early in my career, it was like punk rock and rock and all these things. And that wasn't even the the music that I listened to, but those were the people that I was around at the time. And so I did that. And, you know, luckily I slowly got to do more things that were kind of more in my wheelhouse or what I actually enjoyed. Uh, But I think having that thing, especially if you're going a session route, like to be able to, be familiar with a wide variety of, of music, right? Sometimes. Absolutely. And I loved, like I, I read this Ray Charles book in my 20s and he said that there's beauty in all music. He's like, sometimes you got to look a little harder to find it, but like it's there, right? <laughs> that's right. And so that's how I've tried to approach things and even things that I'm not that into, like uh, I've, I've played on things where I was like, man, I really, I don't like this. This is not what i would listen to but then i try and stop and i go well what what's the intention here and i try to get into the character of like what is this person saying and how can i you know best express this
1: that's right you you said so many good things there that i want to unpack and examine some things number one uh you said you know being versatile so you have the nuances of a jazz drummer, when I listen to you play, I can hear the, oh wow, I can tell whether you either study jazz or you listen to it at some point in your life In my from my perception. It seems like it, because yeah. you have those fine nuances, right? But then you also have this sick, unrelenting groove that just like, even if I threw a brick at your head while you're playing, <laughs> you still wouldn't vary from the groove, you know? It's like, yeah. so I could definitely hear the versatility. So I love that you said, you know, Maybe you weren't playing, you weren't studying punk rock, but you ended up playing it because you were hanging out in that area yeah. at the time.
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, I'm not studied at anything to tell you the truth. Like, okay, didn't take lessons, uh, didn't go to school. It was all really from listening and watching. And, Study can be a broad term too, right? Exactly, Just yeah. innate, yeah and And now, and, and just having that thing, like I still feel like I'm learning, and I, I right. feel like once you think that you've learned everything you're you're screwed you're dead. yeah. So I want to always keep learning and keep improving, and yeah, it's like a lot of things, whatever you feed your soul right That's and right. I, I love to incorporate all the things all the like there's something beautiful about punk rock or rock, right mm-hmm. where it's like you can have this power and yeah. this energy. But then you listen to jazz and it can be subtle and all these nuances. But if you can blend them all together and have a lot of gears to go to, right? That's right. Because sometimes there's some guys, it's like, oh, this guy, you're good at this. He's the guy who can play real soft, but we won't call him for the rock gig. And then there's the rock guy who can't be quiet, right? So it's like, I wanted to be the guy that, could do it all or like have a shot at doing it all
1: and that's what i love about your resume because i always aspired to do the same so when i see daniel lenoir and lizzo and willie nelson all in the same sentence you know i get excited i'm like yes that's the guy because often as as you know in music we get pigeonholed right like you just said so it, it is it is so important to do that but here's here's a trick How did you make sure people knew that you were adept at all of these genres and authentically adept?
3: Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant quality meals for myself. And use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off.
2: Yeah, that that was the hard part. And that's what was very frustrating early on because I would get calls for rock things and not some of the other things that I would have liked to have done. And it's just like by playing, it's just like it had to be over time. And I yeah. think for me, luckily, like uh, I I got to play with Beck in the like, ninety nine early two thousands, and that really opened up a lot of doors because his music was so broad. And then people got a chance to see, oh, this guy can do some other things. But yeah, for a long time, it was just like until I played on a record, you know, that somebody finally heard, then then they call you for that. And I just I think I got lucky. I, there, a lot of luck has to be involved too, right? Yeah. I think. There has to be perseverance, but there also has to, you know, right time, right place, and just fucking yeah. sheer dumb luck sometimes.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that, but yeah. it's also, you know, the old definition of luck is when preparedness meets opportunity, and yeah. obviously you were prepared, and yeah. then you were hanging out with some people, and those opportunities present themselves. But you also said something else a minute ago. Um, Even when you weren't working, quote-unquote, you were saying it couldn't happen fast enough, but yeah. you were still staying busy. And I believe that's part of, um, you know, that's part of the paradigm that, that I ascribe to. Is you know, no matter what, even if the phone's not ringing, get busy doing something.
2: Yeah. Right? That that motion creates something. Yes, the energy of that and not staying stagnant, which is hard to do sometimes. You're like, it's oh right. man, the phone's not ringing. This isn't happening. But like, it's our energy that cr- can help create a lot of things. I I think.
1: I agree. I always say energy begets energy, you know, it's it's true. It's so true. All right. So modern drummer says, and I I just caught this little clip, you know, uh, thinking of the heyday of uh, Hal Blaine from the sixties or, uh, you know, Steve Gadd from the seventies and eighties or Weckl from the eighties. And then they said that, you know, meet one of the drummers who quietly gets it done, (laughs) but at a remarkably high level. (laughs) I love that. I love that they, how they said that, because again, You know, and this is not blowing smoke folks, you know, I've only met Victor once We've only worked together once on that session with Tommy Sims, like I said Um, But you made a lasting impression Because again, I always aspired to be what I call a session cat And as soon as I saw you and and, and heard you that first few notes, I was like, oh That's a seasoned session cat right there (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, which is so funny because I, I, you know, growing up, especially, I thought, man, I'll never be good enough because, yeah, I just didn't think I could be good enough to do all that stuff. But time and I'll I'll tell you, you know, the thing that I wrestled with and still wrestle with to a degree is I was never good at networking. Mm -hmm. I'm not like I'm not great at social media. I'm not great at tooting my own horn. And so luckily, like the music has gotten to do the talking, right? Like, or somebody hears something. And that's how I, I always got work. I was never able to get work by calling somebody up and say, hey, will you hire me? Or, hey, I'm here. Right. I literally had to wait until somebody heard something or saw something. And and I believe that's the thing because I, th- I also get a lot of guys write me and they get discouraged because they're like, "Yes," and I, I'm looking at Instagram and there's all these guys doing all these things and I can't do this and I, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, I, I believe if you really you, you work at what you do and you keep doing it and you keep playing, like you, you get found. You get found.
1: Man, I'm so glad you addressed this because I can identify with that. I was never the tooting my own horn guy. And that's one of the reasons why I created this podcast because I want the people out there, like you just mentioned, who get discouraged when they see all this social media wizardry Or they hear people about getting all this crazy work. I want to encourage those people because I was one of those people. And guess what? I still am. I still get discouraged. Right? It's just we all we all do. It's human nature. I'm so glad you said that. And I was never the type of guy like, "Hey man, oh yeah, what's going on? I'd love to get some work. I can't. It just feels awkward doing that."
2: Yeah. Right? I mean, some people are good at it and I think yeah. that's great. I have friends that are amazing at that. and I've always, I, I, <laughs> I admire that skill set, right. but it just wasn't me. And I, I I couldn't make that feel comfortable with me. And yeah. luckily, like just through time and just kind of putting my head down and like, just keep working at that. You know, I, I the beautiful thing about music too, is we are all unique right that's right we we all have our own voice and so what I had to learn early on too is like I'm not in competition with anybody we're not in competition right I don't have to be better than you and you don't have to be better than me we all have our own voice and our own way of expressing ourselves and Man. as long as you can be true to that I feel like your voice can get heard you know
1: I'm an excitable type guy. As you can tell, I'm wiggling in my chair just when you say stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously, it was just audio. But I'm getting so excited at what Victor's saying here, listeners, because, man, we really are very similar in that. I always say, music is not a fucking competition. Yeah. And and I'm not putting these shows down because I've worked for them. I've worked for several of the music competition shows, uh, although, albeit it was a while ago. But I don't agree with it because. Music is not a competition. Who says that we have to measure the stats of one another as musicians?
2: I would say it's not athletics, right? It's not sports. No, it should be an expression of emotion to me. Yes. You know, or, you know, there is music that is like, hey, man, this is like calisthenics. And this is like, everything has its place. That's right,
1: man. All right. Well, all of this, uh, you know, philosophical stuff kind of push aside for a minute. What's a day in the life of Victor and Drizzle? What do you do now? What, how does your how does your day go?
2: Well, a pandemic day? <laughs>
1: yeah. <right? laughs> I know. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean the pandemic in a lot of ways, what's been going on has actually been quite liberating because for years I've I was lucky enough to have a studio and have an engineer in a place that I went and worked. And then when all this happened, we lost the studio. I don't have an engineer and I had to figure out how to work. So I set up at home, got all the gear and I had to, in the very beginning, like learn how to use it really like And luckily I have a lot of engineer friends that I called and they were willing to help me out and make sure stuff was in phase. And, you know, I would send them things and be like, what could I do better? Uh, and I'm still learning that, but like, I've, now I'm able to do stuff, and I really love the sounds I'm getting. and I love kind of being in control of what I get to send out. like feels very liberating. But so the funny part for me now is if I'm at home and I'm recording, it's usually after three o'clock after my kids are out of school. So right. I get up, get them ready, then then that's I will right. track whatever I have to track for the day. and and luckily, like i've I've been going out and recording in the past couple months again. That's like, here and there it's been happening which is a trip uh but and then on days when i don't have things i i started doing this thing with some friends where i would record a groove send it to a buddy he would record something on top of it he'd send it to another guy and then we like we did like a whole record of songs that way just and then and then i would mix it and that same thing of like man i need to work on my engineering chops so let's let's do this and the more stuff i have the more I'm learning and getting better at. And so it's it's that thing of like every day, what can I do to try and make myself better, you know?
1: I love that, man. First of all, I'm raising my hand because I want to be in on that game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, pick me, pick me, yeah. please. <laughs> Number one. I uh, know.
2: I'll send you some stuff.
1: Awesome. I can't, I can't wait. So tell us a little bit about the technical side of the rig that you built. Are you using Logic Pro Tools or, you know, how do you... How'd you go about
2: that? I'm using Pro Tools, uh, and I got what did I get? I got an Apollo nice. XP, and then I also got another. Uh, I got an Audio Fuse Eight preamp thing, and then luckily, like I've collected a bunch of compressors
0: cool. and
2: uh, stuff over time, and and I was fortunate enough to like through the years buy enough good microphones to get the job done. Um, uh, and you held
1: on to those microphones. Thank God. It's, that's it's yes.
2: Funny because that's so when important. this all first happened, I, there was a couple of mics I was going to sell. I'm like, oh man, who knows when I'm going to work? Like, uh, mm. thank God I didn't sell them. yes, mic.
1: yes, and and you mentioned also getting them in, uh, in phase or out of phase. You know, that's there's a fine art, man. People don't realize that. Oh, you know, God. the the engineers, the masterful engineers, they're just as much artists as the musicians are.
2: Absolutely. And especially with drums, you know, you have, you know, I think I have 12 or 13 mics up and like making sure all of that's in phase and working and like, man, hats off though. I also, I was thinking about when maybe things go back to normal and we are, are all back in studios again, engineers are going to be bummed because everybody's going to be like, a know it all about how to get their sound. And <laughs> like, <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. You
1: know? I, I don't know about you, but well, it sounds, I don't know. I'm sure you have the diplomacy. Um, I would much rather work with an engineer. It just takes the pressure off me. You know, I would <laughs> love, you know, like I was in a tracking session the other night at, a, at another studio, not mine. And it just felt nice to, sit behind the glass, put on some cans and play guitar.
2: You know? (laughs) Yeah. That is the hard part of like having to like do all this and then play. I literally have my computer next to the, to my kit. So it's, you know, some days that's awesome. And some days it's a big pain in the ass, but but I love it. Like, and that was the thing is, I always have paid attention to what engineers are doing, and I've always asked a lot of questions. So, on any session, when I see somebody doing something, and each guy, each engineer is like their own musician, like you're saying, their own artist. Right. They have their own way of doing it, and I love asking them. Like, well, why are you doing that? What What are you getting out of this? What What preamp are you using, and what's this, and what's that, and right with all of it. Like, I love love seeing what guitar players do, what pedals they're using. Yes. All of it. Like, always being a student. Hi, this is Victor Andrizzo, and I'm a career musician.
1: Go behind the
0: scenes with host Nomad to gain inside knowledge of entertainment business from the world's leading musicians, artists, producers, managers, and more. Binge previous seasons of the Career Musician Podcast and subscribe for all new episodes.
3: pantheon listeners christian swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear as i'm sure you can guess i listen to a lot of podcasts
1: I love that. It's so true. I am a pedal whore. I will admit. <laughs> I, love, I have too many pedals. Uh, you know, I love guitars. I love amps, but for some reason, pedals are just the little trinkly toys that they're just fun. Uh, on that note, I love how drummers have different techniques with either their snare drum or their cymbals. Now, I noticed you. You had one of those. Uh, forgive my ignorance. I don't know what you call that little circular clear,
2: like a Ritchie ring.
1: Okay. A Ritchie ring. But then you had a piece of loose leaf paper underneath that sucker Yeah, it sounded so sick. It was like, oh, it was crackly, but still thuddy. I don't know how, to, you know.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of tricks I picked up from like, when I was a kid, I had literally the crappiest gear you could imagine. Like my we were really poor. And so when I finally did hobble a, a kit together, it was literally the worst heads, the worst pieces of crap you could imagine. And so I had to figure out all of these things to get different kinds of sounds. Right. And through that, like sometimes I remember I was practicing and I had I had maybe a magazine or something on the snare and I hit it and I was like, oh, and then I pulled back a couple pages to get like a fewer pages. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man. It just gave this whole other kind of sound to it where you could deaden the drum, but the paper also gave it this weird little top end to it. So it's still kind of cut through. And yeah, I think like a lot of things like any guitar player, like drummers have to know your sound in a way to get different sounds. And especially now with technology and the, where like a lot of pop music is, is there's a lot of programming. And whereas in the early two thousands, it would be, you'd have a song where the verse is the program loop and all of a sudden real guy shows up for the chorus. Right. Right. Now people don't want that so much. They want it to sound programmed all the way through. That's right. So I've, Figure out, figured out a bunch of different ways. Uh, a lot of times, I'll use like a goat skin on the bass drum to make it sound like an eight hundred eight. Mm-hmm. I'll use concert toms and then figure out different ways just to get different kind of sounds that kind of blend in with everything. Uh,
1: I love that. You know, that's that's a great. If you don't mind me asking, a great example would be you played on uh, the Lizzo "Cause I Love You" track. What
2: juice on juice
1: juice right? So yeah. sorry, right, right from the album "Cause I Love You," but juice yeah, yeah. so huge juice was a huge hit what was your approach there
2: same kind of thing like uh so i I, i've been very fortunate to do a bunch of stuff with this producer ricky reed uh and i've been doing a bunch of stuff from home with him and i love how he approaches stuff like we almost like programming so like you know kick snare hat is one track or even just kick and snare then the toms are an overdub and i think on that we did a lot of things we did like uh timbales yeah. uh, we did uh, cowbells and all this but each in different layers as opposed to doing one thing so you can control the sound and make it sound seem more programmed and have better separation of everything I like that approach and when I work for him I do a lot of stuff like that sometimes not even kick and snare it'll just be toms or weird percussion things And see I, I, that's that pivot that you're talking about that's a musical pivot yeah because I think yeah. that's the other thing like there's always oh man there's no real drums or everything's programmed well I was like well if I want to work instead of like just being pissed off about it why don't I find my lane to fit right in there and make myself useful right I think That's right. Like, instead of getting bummed about it I've tried to embrace it and figure out how I can fit in and the same with like just even making weird shakers or making percussion things things that will yeah, just enable you to like keep going and and make it more interesting for me too. It becomes right. more of a challenge. It's like, oh man, how do I make this sound not human? Or how do I, you know, come up with a sound somebody hasn't heard yet?
1: But see, that goes back to the versatility and why you keep working so much in so many different genres, because again, like you said, you're pivoting, you're adapting to all these different scenarios. I'm sure when you play with the more rock based acts or the singer songwriter acts, you're playing kit. Yeah. 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 And that's a whole different approach.
2: Yeah. And that's it. I think, you know, knowing what that, that's interesting thing about being a session musician, right? It's like you, you get a call, you show up. Sometimes you don't even know who the artist is. You have no idea what it's for and you have to walk into the room take a look around and in the first couple minutes go oh okay i'm rock guy today or i'm you know i'm I'm sensitive guy today or this <laughs> right okay. and you, you suss it out quickly and then kind of play accordingly hopefully
1: i love that let's talk about the differences between being on tour and in the studio i know you've done both um well first of all when you're on tour, I'm 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 assuming, although that's a terrible thing to do, I'm sure you have a tech, right? Yeah. And do you like to tune your drums, or do you does your tech tune them, and then you kind of just touch them up, or how do you?
2: I mean, I've been pretty lucky, and like the the techs that I've had over the yeah. past decade or so are the best of the I, best. That's what I and figured. And really, like the guy I have out with me for Atlantis is this guy Chris Hewer, who is. Uh, very famous among drummers in LA for like repairing drums and like make, you know, he, to, I'm so lucky and grateful that this guy will travel with me ah. because really I just have, to, I sit down and it sounds incredible. perfect.
1: I love that. I love that. Pretty,
2: pretty damn lucky.
1: Now, when you do sessions outside of your studio, do you use a, do you use a cartage service?
2: Yeah. And again, okay. like I have the greatest guy, this guy, yeah. John Resnick from angel city drums who, yeah. Uh, it's so amazing to be able to walk in and he knows what I like, right? That's, that's right. right. And I can tell him I go, Hey, they're saying it's uh it's this is more jazzy or this is more this, and I can sit down and the drums are pretty much there. It's Perfect. like I might tweak something here and there, but yeah. Yeah, he's that that's an amazing luxury.
1: Pardon the pun, but I love breaking this down for our younger listeners because uh, you know, many of them aren't familiar with it. The fact that when you do a studio session, there's a thing called Cartage. And the, the Cartage company often houses all of your gear in their warehouse. And then when you get called for a session, you call your Cartage company, right? You tell them the information, you tell them the studio, they, they bring the rig that you want. Yeah. Uh, they set it up for you to it and all this thing. So Cartage and that whole concept and having your tech set everything up and prepare it, that's kind of a dying thing too. You know, it's it's yeah. it's more the exception now than the rule, right?
2: Yeah, I, I suppose so. It, pro- it probably is. I mean, I, I I definitely feel pretty lucky that that's that's pretty much the case when I get to do stuff. But okay. I learn a lot, like from tuning my own stuff and and experimenting with different kinds of sounds. Basically, I have duplicates. I have two rigs, and they're almost identical. I have the same drums at home as I do that I would bring out to a session. And so when I'm at home, I'm doing all the tuning and all the stuff. But I would say, yeah, it's fun to just experiment with weird shit that you can do. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can put towels, you can put moon gels, you can put Uh, paper, you can put whatever you're, you know, whatever you can dream up and then see if it sounds good. Sometimes it does, sometimes it sounds terrible. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I remember I was living in, in Nashville in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and my buddy, Yoshi Jackson, great drummer out there, he took a splash cymbal and put it on his snare drum. Yeah. And when he hit that and it cracked, it automatically gave you that Teddy Riley program snare drum sound, right? Yeah. yeah. I lost it. We were on the gig. I was so excited about that. I was like, holy shit, what a beautiful concept, right? Yeah. So I, I love that when you take those chances. That's yeah. cool.
2: It's really fun.
1: Awesome. All right. So let's talk about today and uh, projects on the horizon or any future, uh, you know, goals, aspirations coming up for you.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully we had a, 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 an Atlantis tour that was planned for this year that has been postponed. They're saying that we'll go and do it in summertime. I don't know. You know, I hope yeah. that it happens. Uh, it's funny. uh I, I never thought I'd miss touring so much. Mm. But especially with that group of people, uh, hopefully it will happen. And right now, we've just been keeping busy doing a lot of these kind of at-home videos. And we even... Uh, we did a Christmas single. We did a cover of uh, Wars Over, uh, Happy Christmas from John Lennon. Ah. Got to record it here and mix it and put it all together. And So, yeah. I You know, I, I don't think so much about the future except doing what's in front of me at this point really to tell you the truth i i do hope we get to go back on the road because i really i feel like that's going to be an amazing emotional experience like for us to play music and people to see music and be together will be will be a very beautiful thing i
1: i couldn't agree more
2: yeah other than that at at this point i'm kind of on autopilot with stuff work comes work you know or or i'll keep learning and keep growing but yeah it's funny this is the first time in my life i haven't really worried or thought too much about what's around the next corner i just want to just keep going i feel really happy and i you know i'm 53 i just turned 53 and i'm excited to finally feel like comfortable in my skin (sighs) ah You know what I'm wow, saying? Wow! I know exactly. I, I've never felt like that, and I know, always like wondered where my place was and things. And I feel wow. like, I finally feel like I know what my place is. I know what I'm doing, and I, you know, here I am. And if it, if the phone rings, great. And if the phone stops ringing, that's great too. Uh, uh, you know, I can, I'll keep doing what I'm doing because I love playing music, so that's not going to stop. But you, whatever's supposed to be is going to be.
1: oh. Uh, Ah, oh, dude, you just answered two of my questions. I love it. <laughs> the, the first one was, do you have a mantra? And whatever is yeah. to be, will be. I love that. And the second yeah. one is, how do you define success? And you just defined it perfectly. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I identify with you so much. I, I'm 48 myself. By the way, you look great. You're healthy. You're strong. <laughs> you're vibrant. You're doing your thing. And I like to think myself as the same because if for some reason, when you get in the the mid forties and you start turning that corner and then you get closer to 50, you're like, holy shit, where did the time go? Right. Yeah. It's just hard to fathom sometimes. Yeah.
2: And I still like, I feel like, uh, that I've, I don't even know how to put it but like there was always like in in music it felt like you had this little window you get a time frame like right like how blaine had 60s to the early 70s mm. uh, each guy each era you were only relevant for so long and i don't know that maybe maybe lack of credits is a good thing because people don't know that my time expired a long time ago. So <laughs> <it's not funny. laughs> and I still get excited. It's like, you know, there's yes. young guys calling me to, to play. So I'm like, man, I'll, I'll play as long as you want me to play. And, that's I'll right Go quietly in the sunset when they don't you know?
1: yeah but it's all about the character and the person the type of hang you're such a good person and a, and a good hang so it comes naturally and and that's what we want when we create music right we want that yeah. fluidity that organic vibe so yeah. Yeah. it's no, funny you, oh go ahead sorry oh
2: i was just gonna say i have a it, it gives me a lot of like joy to know that there are a lot of like these classic guys Steve Gadd still works. Peter yes. Erskine still works. A.R. Yes. Robinson. Still yes. You no. Know? Uh, Not- Steve Ferrone and, and Vinny Colaiuta. Yeah. 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 The, with music, you can go on. It's like, uh, yeah. And I I hope that that I get to be that lucky.
1: I love that. I just interviewed a good buddy, Mac McDonald. He was uh, he worked with uh, John Denver in the seventies, and Hal Blaine was on the tour with them. And he was telling me some stories about Hal. And again, like it's so neat. Just love hearing that history and love hearing about the musician's spirit we all seem to have this a very similar spirit right yeah
2: yeah it's funny that's well. i always think of Hal blaine or jeff or all these session greats like every time i get to go into one of these studios right like when we're at sunset or whatever it's right like, I'm always still, I've been there a million times, but I ha- I ho- it's like going into a, this church or like yes. I'm so aware of what's in the walls.
1: You know? uh, it's so funny you said that because that was my first time at sunset on that date. And I don't know if you remember, but I was geeking out. I was like, wait a minute. This isn't the room that Prince Are you serious? Get the fuck out of here. And then I went across the hall and I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't where Eddie Van Halen recorded Van Halen. Get the fuck out. Of, I couldn't believe this. Yeah. It is. It's those are hollowed walls, right? Yeah, <laughs> hollowed for sure. spaces. For sure. Man. Uh okay. I can't wait to work together again to play. Even too, I just, man. it's just gonna be so much fun. All right. So did you ever have a pinch yourself moment where you were like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me.
2: It happens a lot. All the, there you go. All all the time. And and like I said, even just going to a studio, I, I was in East West last week and, and I know all the recordings that were done there. So that's the one thing I've really tried to stay in touch with is like, I I, it never escapes me how lucky I am and it's the same with being on tour playing in front of people it's like man I am so fortunate that I got to dream of this as a kid and now I'm getting to do this Uh, that's right and so yeah there's there's a million yeah Yeah, I know know. there's a million but it's uh, truthfully every time that I get to play and still do it or somebody wants me to play it's that's a pinch me moment
1: that's it. I love that. You've dropped so many amazing uh, uh, pearls of wisdom throughout this whole discussion. Um, in rapping, is there anything else that you'd add to that? Like I said, you know, especially for the for the younger demographic of aspiring, you know, pros.
2: Yeah, I, it's funny. A, a buddy of mine today just said something that he had heard from a musician, and that was the guy said, "If there's if you can picture yourself doing something else, then do it." and if you can't then do music and it's like or if that's your love like my passion is music and i've never pictured myself doing anything but but music right. and so i believe that if it's really in your heart and you really can persevere and sometimes starve for it like mm. sacrifice it for it and ride the roller coaster of it like you can do anything i really do believe that we limit ourselves or we listen to people. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too inexperienced. I'm too that. I, don't, I can't play like this. It's like, fuck all of that, man. Yes. If it's in your heart, then it's going to be. Then make it. Make it happen.
1: Dude, can, can I memorial, memorialize that <laughs> wisdom and put it on a plaque and send it to everybody? <laughs> all right. I love it. Hey, how about some rapid fire questions? Yeah. All right. Uh, name three tour essentials
2: three tour essentials uh, for me would be good headphones, meaning for live. Like I, I'm not a fan of the in-ears. So I oh. use these guys. Ah, I was I, just going to say, I don't so, care how silly I look. I'm going to. Yeah. But,
1: but I love that. And you know who else uses those from Shania Twain? Uh, my buddy from Nashville. Oh gosh. Ah, uh, you know him if I said his name, JD Blair.
2: JD Blair. Yeah. 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 They're, they're the best head. I'd say good headphones. Uh, for me, I need, I need a hobby. And so for me, it's either photography or doing videos or something, something that I can pass the time with and not go crazy. And then also like, uh, bringing a fold up bike. Oh, cool. You're not stuck in any one place. And on the Atlantis tour, we all had fold up bikes and we were a little bike gang. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go the t- <laughs> that's so cool i love that <laughs> i love that
1: all right song or band that changed your life uh
2: one only one
1: i'm sure there's many you can oh, name whatever however i mean
2: i'd have to say one song that changed my life would be uh probably sir duke stevie wonder hearing nice. that in third grade uh i'd already heard a bunch of amazing music my mom was a hippie who listened to all kinds of music but there was so much joy and something otherworldly about when I first heard Stevie Wonder that, like, mm-hmm. to this day, anytime I put that on, it's like, I I can't feel bad when I'm listening to Stevie.
1: And, and that snare pickup, just to get into it, right? Oh, oh I'm thinking of Superstition. ta 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 right? Yeah. yeah. But how does Sir Duke start? I forgot.
2: Uh, right on it.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, right on the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the was, hi-hat. There was <laughs>
2: so much joy, and it was so, like, uh, God, I just...
1: Yeah. And and Stevie played drums on a lot of those songs, right?
2: On a lot of, I don't think he yeah. plays on that one. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you go, his seventies albums are like the most to me. That to me is school, right there. If you want to, you can learn everything you need to know, to know
1: about music. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of that, what's in your playlist now?
2: Uh, I'm obsessed with this live Donny Hathaway. Ah, there's a, a version of "I Love You More Than You'll Ever Know." That I listen to literally every day. That and the Dells stay in my corner.
1: Nice. Those
2: two songs I could listen to every day. And they just from note one on both of those songs is something that just soothes my soul.
1: I love that. So going back to the touring days, what do you do to keep from going insane on those long travel days? Like when you're stuck in airports or on a
2: plane or on a tour bus. Yeah. Read. Nice. Do a lot of reading. A lot of phone calls, and I, I'm a recovery guy, so I like to do. I go to meetings to keep sane and like not stay out of trouble. And uh, excellent. And luckily for me, like in the last ten, fifteen years of touring, I've I've been fortunate enough to tour with people that are amazing, yeah. and that I I love being around. And that wasn't always the case. I've had tours where you're just like, oh man, this is a nightmare. But, same
1: here yeah <laughs> but to
2: ha- to be on those ones where it really feels like a family and everybody's yes. gri- like you hang out every day like i love that
1: isn't yeah. that fun to tour family yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. speaking of reading are you reading reading anything noteworthy now that you're
2: uh let's see i got a book right here what am i reading here oh nice it's given to me by a friend Man's Search, search for, for Meaning. meaning. <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> Viktor Frankl. Okay, yeah, Man, yeah. enough said. I love it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I love it. How about TV? Are you binging anything or are you...
2: Yeah, God, we've binged everything. Every,
1: right? I know, same here. Remember?
2: Everything. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> out of shit to watch at this
1: point. <laughs> Have you seen the, the Queen's Gambit?
2: No, I keep seeing, I think... You, that gotta, be... you,
1: you, you won't be able to stop. It's so All good. Right. And, and as... Uh, as musicians, how we're so theoretical in the way we study music, like I say, and not even literally, but just innately. And as we analyze it, yeah, there's definitely a parallel to chess. Right. Because, you know, you can get so deep in it and it's, 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 it's what I can't, you know, this isn't an advertisement for that show, <laughs> but I, I love that show. <laughs> All right. You've collaborated literally, bro, with some of the greatest of the great. Is there any other dream collaborations that you, you haven't done yet?
0: Mm,
2: a lot i mean i'm trying to think i mean it's funny i think i said stevie wonder and i I always think about that i was like boy would i would i i would love to play with him but at the same time i'd be scared shitless (laughs) i'm not sure i'm not sure i'd actually be able to enjoy (laughs) it
1: oh it's so funny i played with him once oh my god and i was scared shitless and here's what made it worse i started off superstition in
2: the wrong key perfect that i'm sure i'm something <laughs> akin to that it's just too much
1: well here's the trick: uh, the the album recording is an e-flat okay and we all know that the guitar doesn't go that low it only goes to e right. so i didn't know this but stevie and the band had changed it to they played it in e since all the guitars were, but i started in e-flat because i'm like so they there's they're playing and i join in with my little you know funky kind of clavinet <laughs> faux clavinet line <laughs> Right. and stevie goes on the mic bro guitar player guitar player e e and i'm like oh my god what a jerk bro i couldn't hide under a monitor fast enough i was okay. like i gotta hide so anyway. i'm
2: sure i would do the equivalent i'm sure of it
1: oh man all right what uh you, oh i forgot to ask you this we've talked about it i'm a long island guy as well you're from freeport long island
2: Free Woo-hoo,
1: Strong Island, baby.
2: Strong Island. Yeah, see?
1: So <laughs> I was just going to ask you, what reminds you of home?
2: Well, I mean, I, I moved here when I was 10. So okay. really, like, uh, what reminds me? Good Italian food. Yes. Uh, I love, I'm drawn to people from the East Coast. There's something yeah. where I think the brains run a little faster. That's right. <laughs> you know, that, that, I'm, I'm attracted to that. I, I love that.
1: That sounded so terrible for me to just say that with sus, such conviction. <laughs> That's right. We're, if you're not from the East Coast, you're a loser.
2: <laughs> you're a little slow. You're a little slow.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean anything by that, people. We're just, you know, it's like people are from Texas. They're so proud to be from Texas, you know. Yeah. We're just proud New Yorkers. All right. Uh, and then uh, Finally. Uh, drum roll, please, right? <laughs> if you weren't a career musician, what do you think you'd be doing?
2: Well, the, the only other thing I have the same passion for is recovery. And so I could see a time now uh, that if I wasn't playing or nobody wanted me to play anymore, I would go into, into the field of recovery and helping people get clean. And I, I try to do that now, but I, I would do that that
1: is amazing and that's uh, that boy that is such a necessity so uh, Victor and Drizzo thank you
2: man thank you
1: what a super dope interview I'm so excited you know it's so funny because you've come across my mind several times over the years I think it was two years ago that we did that yeah. and we, I've emailed you and every time you're very responsive you're like yeah I'm ready and then my life just got hectic so I'm glad we finally got to do it
2: me too man yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you some grooves
1: oh I can't wait dude you know, I, I have this idea because all my best friends are drummers. I wanted to make an album called that.
2: All my it's, best friends are drummers. It's funny, <laughs> drummers and guitar players, right? There's yeah. something about that energy. It's, it's I have the same in my life. A it's lot of true.
1: Guitar players. And I feel like my right hand is attached to your hi hat. Like I'm always like, for me, the hi hat and the and the guitar strumming hand. I'm like, yes, that's where yeah. that's where it's at. You know?
2: Yeah. Oh, man, we have the fire.
1: Yes, sir. Good stuff. Dude, thank you so much.
0: Uh, Thank you for asking me, man. Download, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms.
1: Follow The Career Musician at Facebook, Instagram, and sign up for The Career Musician newsletter at thecareermusician.com. Just a nomad Nowhere man Writing the songs In this one man band A nomad